0: Oh, Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba new news. Scuba Obsessed episode 119 is recorded live June 14, 2012. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilton and here's some of the articles we're going to have tonight. We have some Treasures Found, Rapture the Deep, Dive and Find No Devil, and also we have quite a plethora of cool scuba gear along with the video of the week. But before we get into that, I'd like to welcome my co-host for this week. We have our dive mentor, Mac. How are you doing today, Mac?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Looking forward to the weekend.
0: Excellent. It's always good to look forward to the weekend. And Jim Schiltz, how are you doing today, Jim?
2: Uh, I'm just great, thanks.
0: Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, we're the weather's been holding out. If anything, I think we're probably due for some rain, don't you guys think?
2: Uh, we're overdue. I just hope it shows.
0: Yeah, I saw the farmers had the, the sprinklers going, and it, it's, it's going to hurt if they have to do that too long. So it just needs the rain in the middle of the night, in middle of the week, just enough to get things wet and then stop. Not enough well, to mess up the between, anything
1: between 9 o'clock at night and 7 in the morning fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no no huge downpours, just enough to keep things wet. So this week we have quite a full news week, and I have to apologize in advance. I don't know if any of these are good because I was rushing all the way up to the last minute to get these in. And then we did get a dive to do a tease later on. We did make it on Max Rec, so we'll be talking about that as well. Just a beautiful week in this last week and to get some diving in. The first article up is we have, uh, this is a question called ask dr. Gray and normally I don't talk about stuff that I consider to be fairly negative on the dive industry but you know I, I think sometimes we have to debunk or uh, try and point out some of the flaws and assumptions that are made uh, I like to say up front I am not a doctor I am not a dive medicine person I'm not even a dive instructor so take everything with a grain of salt but uh, this first article is uh, it's an, uh, an ask a question and answer from the Aucklander website out of New Zealand. And the question is, I've heard that scuba diving over time is damaging to the brain. Any truth to that? And uh, this person who, uh, Dr. Gary uh, Pay- Payenda, he says, I haven't heard the re- that regular safe within the limit scuba diving could cause brain damage, so I researched it. And here's what I found. Around 2000, a landmark study was published That compared MRI scans of recreational divers to non divers. Those two groups are closely matched in age, size, fitness, and other variables. The big difference is one group dived and the other didn't. The divers unfortunately had five times more brain lesions than non divers. The story made headlines in scuba diving that scuba diving was unsafe. A few years later, another study compared professional divers to non divers. Instead of looking at brain damage on MRI, the study used Neuropsychiatric tests, memory, attention, and calculation skills were tested, and no significant differences were found. Scuba diving was safe again after all. Critics argue that such tests are not sensitive enough to pick up mild damage. Supporters countered that if brain lesions were so minor that it produced no symptoms, it was insignificant. The most recent important study came a few years ago. A large number of healthy professional divers are given MRI scans. Divers had twice as much brain scarring as nine divers, even if they hadn't had a single episode of the bends or other dive-related injury. The evidence seems to be mounting that unsurprisingly breathing high-pressure gases at depth isn't good for our brains. Teensy bubbles dissolve in our bloodstreams and tissues at 30 meters depth, quadruple in size as we ascend. Most get exhaled, but some dissolved in gas get stuck in capillaries and damage them. Bubble expansion happens to some degree with every ascent. Even the slow and safe ones, we feel no pain, but MRI shows... Cumulative effect over the years. Later, millions of people dive worldwide. The risk is trivial, but still worth knowing about. I think I'm calling this bullshit. <laughs> so, I don't
1: remember the 2000 landmark study. I
0: can't yeah. believe
1: we would not have read about that before. Yeah,
0: I mean, I know but, the anecdotal
1: now, and tell us what you think.
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, I know anecdotal evidence isn't in there, but with all my dive friends, you guys should be slobbering idiots. Well, I well, we're not. more than you are, right? I qualify. <laughs> Oh, stuff like this gets gets me upset. It's like if I am a juggler and I juggle knives and I get cuts on my hand and they scar, does that necessarily mean that I am irreparably causing myself harm by juggling? You know, I I don't think that what they're finding in here is, you know, you know, they, there needs to be more studies, but I am confident that you know, other than people doing stupid stuff, like not diving within their limits, not getting proper training, ascending too quick. You know, we all know the bends is badges, which is what we do. But to take these things and then apply it just just seems ridiculous.
2: I wonder how these legions would uh, compare to someone who drinks, say, two or three beers a night.
0: Well, it's a good question.
2: Yeah. You know, because everybody knows alcohol kills brain cells. So...
0: Only the brain cells I don't want.
1: Well, they they also talk about 30 meters. And uh, again, for shallow water divers, I wonder if the comparison is still valid.
0: So you mean 30, like let's say 30 feet or less?
1: Well, they said 30 meters. Out. They said like 90 feet, said 130 for sport divers. Yeah. And you are doing shallow water like 30 feet mm-hmm. is the same amount of lesions
0: present. Exactly. You, what you almost need to do is take a control group of, of people who have never dove and then d- train them to dive you know, and, and then control all the variables. I mean, we don't know what's in there, what other things reacted. And then if these lesions or whatever, I mean, for one thing I'd like to know what the, these are all vague terms and they seem to be, I, I don't know, visual, you know, lesions. What was what a lesion show up? Like, is there a medical or scientific reason for it? You know, what are well, they referring to?
1: Not sure, but by the same token, they did a, a study that has been proven that uh, mountain climbers like those who go to Everest mm-hmm. and have a lack of oxygen or reduced partial pressure, it's really muddied up their brains, and they have tremendous amounts of lesions in their, in their brain areas. Mm-hmm. And there's to some of the guys who've been doing it a lot, it has become debilitating to some extent, but by the same token, what about the shepherds? You know, the guys who who live there and carry it have not done the test on those guys.
0: Well, exactly. I I always, that's why I love the, uh, us us rich Westerners go go out there and we have the Sherpas (laughs) run all our gear up for us. Yeah. You know, we, we just, we, we, We like to have studies to make headlines and to really not prove anything. I still don't know if I should be drinking coffee or not, if I should be drinking alcohol, how many hours of sleep I should get, whether I should salt my food or whether I should eat an egg.
1: I just know that if I have a pet rat and I feed him two pounds of sugar, he's probably going to (laughs) die. So I don't feed my rat two pounds of sugar.
0: Well, uh, those rat lovers are going to thank you then.
1: Well, I don't feed my dog chocolate either.
0: So I'm taking my <laughs> girl. It's it's, the chocolate's not for the dog anywhere. It's for me. <laughs> you know, I'm not sharing anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, th- 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 there's one to get to get us going. But, you know, so, because uh, you know, uh, how how many dives do you think you have, Lifetime Mac? Uh,
1: thousands.
0: Thousands. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm in trouble.
0: <laughs> All joking aside, I don't consider that you have been addle brained because of diving.
1: Well, I think the high altitude stuff counteracts the pressure, right? Oh
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so, for every dive, you got to do a skydive?
1: yeah, that might be it. you know you do a high altitude something and starve it a little bit and that balances it out.
0: <laughs> that chat room saying it sounds like your brain is good to go and and speaking of things that I consider to be uh, high risk, uh we have Danaea Buckingham, who uh, if you remember, was on the show a few weeks ago. She is living it up large in France with the uh, the French job. And if you've been following her blog, it's been very interesting, and she's been educating. So if you want to know what freediving is, make sure you go out there and check it out. Uh, she actually, today she tried to get a hold of me. Uh, we were going to have the sub on the, the the program, but they're in France, and the time zone's a little different, and we didn't quite able to get stuff to connect. So hopefully she's going to do her own recording an interview and send it to us so hopefully we'll have that on the show or some information but he's he needs to be coming up pretty soon to it they've been doing some testing um you know it's all in that funny metric type stuff so i'm really not too too sure how deep he's been yet uh but that sounds like so far this week they've been doing a lot with trying to get his weighting right so let's see if we can get that one so yeah he's been doing test dives uh, let's see how feet. He's he was using 110 kilos of negative buoyancy in the form of lead weights attached to his harness. Uh, 212
1: pounds. Yep. Oh, 2.2 kilo a pounds per kilo.
0: Yeah. Yep. And then hundred and
1: three feet. Wow.
0: Yeah. And he's been doing that, and then he he says that downward force is countered by 40 kilos of positive buoyancy in the form of a large buoy.
1: I wonder yeah. what his brain MRI shows. <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, so, uh, he, he's got a unique technique, so hopefully they'll talk a little bit more about it, but, uh, he doesn't take a big gulp of air before going down. He actually goes down with mostly empty lungs. So that's some of that. So hopefully we'll have a little bit more information. You can follow, uh, the blog, uh, but they've been adjusting weight. He did 110 kilos. I think they've been going up and down on his weight. I don't know if they've quite got it dialed in, but, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, Going to set the world record. Well, oh, he's going to set. How can you set an attempt? He's going to attempt the world record in deep diving at 703 feet. <clears throat> you, ever, you ever done any free diving, Mac?
1: Not like that. Maybe 30 feet and that's it I,
0: I think as a kid I used to do some, but it was like you know 15, 18 feet. You know, maybe in a pool where I could see bottom up to 20. You know, these Michigan lakes you, can, you can't see anything in the in the bottom where I where I grew up. so but uh that that's pretty extreme. Okay, so
1: I, I do know this is what Dina, is that how she says her name is Dina? D
0: Denea, yeah.
1: That's uh extremely yeah. nice picture yeah. there.
0: Yes. Yeah, she uh, was enjoying mm-hmm. herself out on the beach, sporting her looked French be, job towel among other things.
1: Yeah, looks a bit provocative, but very attractive.
0: Yeah, I missed that one. Where's that one at? <laughs> she's doing a video blog. <laughs> she, needs, she, does, uh, she does have YouTube videos where she does some uh, video blogging. Also, on the uh, French job, they do have a video blogger who's there, and she's in that. So uh, were you able to find the photo, Jim?
1: Uh, no, where's it at?
0: Uh, if you go to... She
1: does the first one. Yeah. the like in blog, that'll get it right
0: to it. Okay. And paste it back in the chat room for them.
1: I don't know. He's starting to act like a D-O-M there what do you think
0: what what uh what's a d l m
1: Dirty old man
0: oh
2: <laughs> i represent that remark
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, i resemble that occasionally
0: so and I, i'm sure mac you were talking about the uh let's see which one was it
1: you're going to the treasure next
0: yeah let's let's head on to the treasure so we have uh, and i'm i'm hoping this is about scuba diving i would tell you how, yeah. how, how much quality I did. So this one is out of Gray's Lake. Uh, treasure found along with junk at Lake Cleanup and Gray's Lake. Volunteers scouted around Jones Island Beach, shores of Gray's Lake, on Saturday where they picked up all kinds of litter and debris at the second annual Cleanup and Gold Coin Treasure Hunt. Gray's Lake Park District event would have gone off rain or shine, but volunteers were glad it was warm and sunny as began at 9 a.m. The two-hour program theme uh, included uh, 57 participants of the scuba divers from Big Kahuna Scuba in Grays Lake. Most received gold T-shirts with the event theme. There were local sponsors, 17 of them. Damn, I
1: wish we could get 17 sponsors for an? The there you go. Class.
0: We'd have had one this year. We'll, we'll look at some of the sponsors. They had Something's Brewing. Mitch's Chicago-style grill, Papa John's Pizza, Piggly Wiggly, and State Bank of the Lakes.
1: Beer and pizza, what more do you want?
0: Yeah, I know, the rest of them are just bonus at that point.
1: Well, the gold coins are bonus, I'll take that.
0: Yeah, uh, other sponsors donated prizes which were inside five treasure chests. Gold coins were also redeemed later for prizes, but were both were scattered around the lake. So they scattered treasure chests. Canoes and kayaks manned by volunteers extended the reach around the shoreline, while others like father and son team... I uh, Picked up trash with the Joan Islands Beach parking lot. Uh, so, one, like an example, some of the prizes they had a gold coin that you could trade in for a new fishing pole. Uh, other prizes included free scuba and kayak lessons. I'm hoping if you're underwater, you've already <laughs> been certified. Maybe that's for the people in the shallows. So, it's a 40 acre glacial lake tucked in a neighborhood homes, about 22 feet deep in the center.
1: Okay. You said 80, correct? 80 acre. Yeah. Pop off. Little Pawpaw is 90 acres, so it's about as big as Little Pawpaw.
0: Okay. Now, how how big is Big Pawpaw? Uh,
1: 857.
0: Yeah. yeah. Now, it's a lake. 80, yeah. 8, 8, 80 acres is, eh. I mean, it's important. Glad they're cleaning it up, but that's not huge. But look at this. Like you said, look at the support they had. That is amazing.
1: Well, he had 17 sponsors and, what, 55 participants? 57 yeah. participants. I, I think they did pretty good on their uh, support, that's for sure.
0: Their ratio has got to be pretty good. It's almost guaranteed yeah. if you participated, you found something.
1: Yeah. That lake they did of uh, 80 acres, twenty feet, 22 feet deep, little pawpaw mm-hmm. paw is uh, 29 feet max. So it's, it's representative. That's a lot of territory, though, to be putting out stuff to be found. I bet their visibility was better.
0: You think visibility would be good in, in that lake?
1: Glacial lake sounds cold.
0: So when they say glacial lake, I assume that they're just meaning that it wasn't dug out for a subdivision. It was actually a, a naturally occurring lake.
1: And being shallow, maybe they don't have the weeds that we do. I guarantee you put five chests of gold, anything, in Little Papa, and you're going to probably have five left in the cleanups over.
0: <laughs> you don't think people are going to find them?
1: Well, I've still found sharks. And lobsters in Gull Lake, you know the turkey dives. Yeah. That had the floating items, and I don't know how long that had been over how many years.
0: Well, uh, doesn't uh, S.A.S. diving still do a uh, lobster dive every year?
1: Yes, they do. Yep. But it's not through the whole lake, that's for sure.
0: No, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure if you only if you miss a few of them, they're gonna they're gonna float around. Plus, once once you found your, because I think you can only get one lobster a piece, can't you?
1: Well, I think you work as a team. Yeah. Oh, okay. It used to be the same way for the turkey dive, and it was not considered fair if you found more than one and then stuck the other one in the mud. Oh. <laughs>
0: I'm yeah, not saying that's...
1: anybody would ever do that.
0: No, no,
1: not not in our club. Did knock down the number of people in the in the grand prize drawing.
0: <laughs>
1: but I never did that.
0: No, no, no. You're, you're giving everybody some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this next one uh, is from the Independent out of the UK. Rapture this deep scuba diving a chapter in history, and uh, this author is talking about how uh, scuba diving excites her. And last week she dove shipwrecks of Scapa Flow and Ornkey for the first time. What a thrill! Not just a physical adventure of cold water decompression gi- diving. Not just the fisheye view of the rich marine ecosystem, but the plunge in the extraordinary episode of the Great War. So Scapa Flow, if you're not aware, that is where, uh, as part of the terms of the 1918 armistice, 74 German vessels were interned in Scapa Flow. (laughs) Was that that a a scuba video or just an ad?
1: What somebody was listening to?
0: Yeah, I I could hear something. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I went to uh, the ADC conference, oh, many years ago in uh, New Orleans. That's the Association for Diving Contractors. Mm-hmm. And one of the presentations there was Gaffler. And they were actually getting investors to help them go, and they were doing salvage on some of the ships. And obviously there to increase the number of people who might be interested in both participating and kind. Cond- they had binnacles, they had wonderful brass souvenirs off the bridges of several of those ships, and some fantastic video that you drool over. But watching them cut through 24, 30 inches of steel with torches to salvage the stuff, that yeah. is freaking amazing.
0: So That's some hardcore underwater cutting then.
1: Right, and this was not scuba diving for fun. This was hard hat for profit.
0: Yeah, well, the the depth that, that they're they're talking about, these aren't recreational depths. In no, fact, you're talking
1: 140 meters uh, in in some of the areas out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. and in that book that I've been reading, which we'll talk about a little bit more later on, uh, you know, they've been doing some diving in the, in this particular area, but they're saying that the conditions in Scapa Flow aren't meant for beginner divers. 10 degrees Celsius water, three to 10 meters visibility, depth 30 to 45 meters and beyond, so they do have some that are in recreational range, and the depth and darkness means you will survey the wreck in portions filled with shadows and blanks the imagination.
1: But for 10 meters or 3 meters, come on, that's 10 feet. We're used to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the visibility didn't scare me at all. I'm like, that
1: sounds, no. that
0: sounds pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think we've, not that we're discouraging people from coming to the Great Lakes, but, you know, you never know what you're going to find. When and got to admit, we, we have
1: had of good visibility out there, and up north we've had very good vis.
0: Oh, up north has been absolutely amazing. I've got I'll a... bet it's
2: good vis right now. I was looking at the water temps, and it's uh, you're getting almost a twenty-degree difference between the surface and the bottom.
0: Oh, that's
2: a lot of difference.
0: Yep. That. Oh, that's that's getting that. That means we got a nice hard thermocline going.
2: Yep. Uh, usually under that thermocline is really good visibility.
0: Oh this article that we have coming up now, new secret passages discovered in Carlsbad caverns. Now I know this is not underwater, but one of the things I love about scuba diving is the exploration. So I couldn't resist this article. And Mac, I know that you'd like to get in some caves. Oh yeah. And, uh, so this one is saying that, uh, despite being explored for more than a century, cows, Carlsbad caverns, national park, uh, still hides more passage. A team exploring the parks, uh, I don't know, Lichagula Cave, the deepest cave in the continental United States, climbed over 410 feet or 125 meters in the high dome in early May. Upon reaching the top of the dome, lead climber James Hunter discovered a maze of previously unknown passages, pits, and large rooms. They have named this area Oz. One of the newly discovered pits, dubbed Kansas Twister, is 510 feet or 155 meters tall, making it the largest vertical expanse yet discovered in the caverns. It's about half as high as New York City's Chrysler Building or Chicago's Sears Tower. Cavers use lasers to measure the distance from the height from the floor to the final rope. So they talk about in the article uh, some other caves called Munchkin Land. Um, so they're going with the Oz theme.
1: Ouch. It's sort of interesting. Uh, last year, I was looking into doing some caving down there in uh, southern Illinois, mm-hmm. and I, I found an interesting place that had an <laughs> underground underground stream and a, and an underground lake or, or big pond. And I contacted them about the possibility of doing an overnight uh, climb and dive, and uh, the comment I got back like, "Excuse me, you want to do what?" <laughs> <laughs> And they said, well, there's low visibility and it's dark, and it's like, well, that's the same as a night dive. But uh, I had a couple of people who were interested in doing it, and I'm still looking for a cave that so we can go in and dive.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: I know in our club, I won't have trouble finding a few people who want yeah. to at least do that. But it's it's really neat. I was doing a cave in Alabama, and that was the first one I'd went in that I'd actually found albino fish and and blind fish, and it actually had a big. It's not a lake. I'd call it a huge pond in, in one of them and uh, talk about clear the water. But you'd, of course, need a light. And the carbide wouldn't work very well underwater. But I think you guys would enjoy that.
0: Oh, certainly. I, I would love to hassle, doing that.
1: The hassle is hauling your freaking ear down.
0: Yeah. Although well, Jim, I, and Josh did that devil's den. And, you know, I would call that kind of a cave type dive. I mean, if nobody told me that was a sinkhole, I would call it a cave. Yeah. Next up is one from. Bring the on Deacon. the Sherpas. What's that? Bring on the Sherpas. The Sherpas. Yeah, exactly. Well,
1: I can see you rappelling down the side of the mountain with your scuba tanks.
0: Yeah, that are the or interns. We need some interns to haul some gear for us. Next one up is out of the Deacon Herald. Dive and find no devil. So uh, this uh, another I would call a blog style of article, and just talking about the experiences of diving. And uh some of it which we're we're familiar with where you're diving in the dark and cold, and uh, how your your mind plays tricks on you and uh,
1: this is in India, right? I think so. it's hard to I, tell. I keep saying to say Bangalore, and then I really notice over here in New Delhi, so unless at the place you get food or something, I imagine we're in India here
0: yeah bangalore i it, it must be I, and I don't recognize that zip code either so.
1: And I can't pronounce the guy's name, so we know we're out of the States.
0: Yeah. But uh, he, he talks about how at one point in the article, his, his, his thoughts are influenced by Hollywood movies. And uh, as he was uh, diving, he was worried if a shark could come and bite off his leg and he would be crippled for life.
2: My son told me an interesting story this week. He was down in Miami, in the harbor, uh, had donned his scuba gear and was scrubbing the bottom of his boat and was getting bumped by a couple of tarpon. So, you know, he just kept scrubbing the boat. Next thing he you knows, he's bumped again and looks over, and it's a shark. The shark turns around and comes at him again the second time. And he said he just kind of Pulled out the knife, slashed at the shark, caught it on the tip of the nose, and then got out of the water. But apparently, stirring up all the <laughs> bottom threw the shark in.
0: So, was it was barnacles? All he saw was teeth. So, the barnacles coming off that, the
2: side is what did it? Uh, whatever it was, he was cleaning off the bottom of the boat algae, barnacles, who knows. But, you know, the chum, I guess, that it created drew the shark in, and he said all he saw was teeth. Huh.
1: Well, if he's doing that on the bottom, it's almost like he's he's injured. You know, he's. Using his hands and or arms and stuff to scrape. Yeah, yeah. Looks like a dead fish or a wounded fish near the surface. I'd advise him not to do that again.
0: Yeah, it's it's always better to have somebody Uh, else clean the bottom of the boat.
1: Yeah, pay somebody else to scrub the
2: bottom of the boat. He could be on shark watch.
1: Yeah, you get Norman, new guy, do it.
0: I'm taking it. He was the new guy.
1: He's the 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 only guy.
0: The only guy. Yeah. Okay, this article on artificial reefs is from the island sandpaper, and uh, what they're talking about is they there um, has been some talk of uh, sinking another wreck and uh, there's been a, getting a discussion on you know the pros and cons of these artificial reefs and uh, I'm, i I think he's for it according he says according to a study done in two thousand nine by the University of Florida uh, folks spend more than sixty million in the county, and that's county, each year averaging with an average of 1,350 people using the reef every single day. Artificial reefs are starting to appear off Lee County shores in the 1950s, originally domain of groups of fishermen and rogue adrenaline junkies going after the then new sport of scuba. Uh, the article pitches the benefits of the the fish habitat it creates. Uh, he's talking about how uh, they're saying it also helps the fishermen because it reduces the pressure of sports fishing on some of the few areas where fish are. So when they put these artificial reefs, it spreads the fishing population out, gives places from the spawn, and also brings in uh, you know, new divers. In the, the uh, 2009 report, uh, Lee County government spends $30,000 per year on the artificial reef, funds that are provided by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, So 60 million in related revenue, and they only have to spend $30,000 a year in maintaining it.
1: Wonder how much it cost them to get the uh, Mohawk? That's the next ship they want to put down there, demoged for sinking. That's the big cost, isn't it?
0: Well, it's probably two or three million dollars. But when you look at it, I mean, they're getting—they're probably getting donated money, you know, sponsors and other things raising the funds for it. So it's just a win-win-win. We need to get. Up, something.
1: We need to get the initial amount first.
0: Yeah, we, we but we need to get something like this in Michigan.
1: We had something in our neighborhood in sixty to ninety feet, and that would definitely make money for the locals. Yes, yeah. it would. Well,
0: but just look at this. I mean, we. I don't think people realize. You know, we were at the beginning of the uh, show today. We're talking about how how bad the visibility can be in Lake Michigan. There are days where we have awesome visibility. You know, we've had. We've on Max Rec. We've had well over hundred feet sometimes. You know, we this year I've seen most of the dives I've had this year I would put in the good category of 25 or more feet of visibility. And and I I don't know. I just think it's it's getting better as we pollute the rivers a little bit less. It just seems to be translating in the big lake of being clear.
1: And the quagga mussels.
0: Those mussels are pumping. They're cleaning it up. So, but an excellent article just reinforces my belief that we need to get a rec sunk in the, in, uh, in Lake Michigan. And then celebrities in the scuba news, we have Pierce Bronson, and then somebody else, who is this, Emma Thompson? Emma Thompson, isn't she the one from uh, uh, Harry Potter? That the same one?
1: I don't really know.
0: I will check. It's phone. It's all day. The great book of knowledge. But uh, so what they're doing is Pierce Bronson and Emma Thompson are, have scenes in their new movie called Love Punch. Uh, they have photos in this article showing them putting on uh, wetsuits as they filmed underwater in the south of France.
1: Every time I punch that on, I seem to get audio about 25 seconds later.
0: Yeah, they, they've, what we're starting to see now in websites to make them even more irritating is that they have autoplay TV. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to pump up their, uh, their viewing minutes to, to show their advertisers how great they're doing. So something you haven't decided you want to watch just starts to auto-play. So
1: I just auto-turn it off.
0: Exactly. You've got to track it down. What I, what I like to do sometimes when I'm, I'm going through news articles is they'll get seven or eight tabs going with all the news, let them completely load, and then get to it. And every once in a while, one will go nuts, and it's because of those autoplaying ads. But, uh, okay, that's...
2: Emma Thompson is in Men in Black Three, waiting release. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Yep. Uh, Nancy McPhee returns. Pirate Radio. Now that was a good movie. Stranger
0: than fiction. Okay. So yep, yeah, that's. I think that's what I, I, I thought it was, but it's hard to tell. I'm not sure. But well, some some of these photos are hilarious that they've got in here
1: starting to get a little
0: long in the tooth, isn't he? Pierce Bronson? Yeah. Yeah, he's getting a little bit up there. I think they waited too long to make him James Bond. I think they he should have done that one about five or six years earlier. Yeah. Because I always thought he would, would have been in the Sean Connery League if they had got him in at the right time. Because he used to have that uh, TV show, uh, wasn't it Remington Steel? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, enough of celebrities. Um, remember we did the... Posting on the uh, Brownie Marine Group. Yes, we did. Well, they've, in the meantime, since we've talked about them last, they've actually opened their first retail store. So this is a press release, but I thought it was about time they covered again. It'd be interesting to see if this takes off. They said the grand opening uh, took place May 30th, and uh, so that would have happened a couple weeks ago. So if you're in the area, and this is down in Florida, uh, Boca Raton, so it's their concept store. Uh, I'd like Are to know about Fort it. Are they in Fort Lauderdale too? Pardon me? Are they, aren't they in Fort Lauderdale also? Uh, were they in, I think they may be in Fort Laud- Lauderdale. They had their um, I just said,
1: um, is owned a uh, wholly owned subsidiary, Trevor Industries, Brownies, Dirt Lung, based in Fort Lauderdale?
0: Yeah, I think they're based in Fort Lauderdale, but they're a manufacturer. Oh, okay. And so what they did is they bought uh, a dive retailer, and then I think they've kind of remodeled it. Okay. And uh, so I think what they're trying to do is get this, and I'm not speaking for them, and I know that they're traded, so I I have no interest in in, uh, this company or make any money on stocks from them. But what I think that they're trying to do is get this concept, prove it, and then roll it out. So I don't know if they're thinking of doing franchises or if they're uh, going to have uh, company-owned stores. Uh, but when I look at their revenue, they're very light on the revenue side of the business. Uh, plus, they do the hooker rigs, at what they do as a manufacturer. So I think what they're trying to do is control the outlet. You know, if you make your own dive equipment and you can control the customer experience, you can sell more gear that you also manufacture. So uh, I call this an experiment. They'll be interested to see if it works for them.
1: I mean, did you read that part about tank valet, where brownie staff meets customers curbside with a portable nitrox and air fill manifold, powered by a patented computer to do it right there at curbside?
0: Yeah, that' what they do. If you look at the concept, and I don't think I've got a link to it. I'll try and find one and show it in the show notes. But uh, the idea is that there's this parking lot, and you pull right up, open your car, and then they have the whip and fill station right there, and they they fill the tanks. I don't know if they fill them in the back of the car what their process is but yeah you don't have to go anywhere for it and then uh, they've got a store they're doing the stand-up kayaking Uh, they've got uh, right there they've got a dive tank so I like the idea of it I I think it makes sense it's just whether it's viable and what they're maintaining is that they're doing engineering uh, that takes some of the risk and cost out of this type of dive operation so it's a concept I look forward to it. I mean, I'd love to go to a dive shop that had all those things.
1: Well, the other one we looked at was that instructor that had the in-house pools and stuff, remember? Yeah. Is this part of that?
0: Yeah, this is the same one.
1: Okay. If you're going to dive a kayak or have a kayak out there and had a place you could actually get in it and get wet, that would be a selling point.
0: Well, I think so. I think, uh, you know, like a lot of people, you don't want to do something and feel silly and foolish and not know how to do it. So if you have a spot where people can get on and try it out, and you know, it, it's going to help you close the sale. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Okay. We go from that, and I've got uh, a, quite a few in the section I'm calling potentially cool scuba gear. This first one is uh, an article about the U.S. Navy. Uh, they're exploring some underwater applications for solar panels.
1: High efficiency in low lighting conditions
0: yeah so what they're doing is they knowing that as they go deeper, you lose the uh was it the red light in the spectrum that we tend to lose?
1: yeah, you lose that first,
0: yeah, so you lose the red light, so what they're doing is they're saying that when they get to more efficient wavelengths between four hundred and seventy nanometers uh they said that that gains efficiency doesn't necessarily gain efficiency, but that the light at least reaches it down, so they said it's enough to uh juice power sensors down to thirty feet. So they're looking at it to help develop long-duration autonomous underwater systems and sensor platforms. So,
1: I want to try that water-powered jet bike myself.
0: <laughs> that would be cool.
1: Oh, doesn't it? Or that halo? Oh, I want one of them.
0: Certainly. Okay, the next one is, and we've covered this one before. Uh, this is uh, almost a, a press release for underwater airplanes, underwater hawks, ocean technology. Uh, it's a wing submersible that flies through the water. And I believe this, this one looks very similar to the one that uh, 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 President of Virgin Air, what's it, that, Branson, had. Uh, have
1: you seen the one where they took something like the Global Hawk, making it electric and putting that on water? No. I'm looking at the diagram here, the one they've got, and I saw an article that everything you use for the Global Hawk with the if you look at the shape, it's ideal for underwater work also if you have the right propulsion system. And we were talking about ROV stuff. Yeah. The yeah. self-programming, man, it, it, it's a short step to the, taking it out of the air and putting it on the water. Yeah. Put some photo cells on it so it can come up, recharge, go back down.
0: Oh, that'd be cool.
1: Doesn't need men. I do like the picture for the uh, 2009 Deep Flight Merlin with the three guys in the front. Now, that looks cool. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that that would be uh, all these. Uh, just one of one of each, please. So if somebody has one laying around they don't want, just go ahead and send it my way. I'm sure we could find something to do with it. Of those hawk submersibles, they say each one is custom built. They use AutoCAD software to help them design it.
1: I think the Super Falcon is what seven knots. It's
0: fast enough. A little quicker than, than I can swim. Well. Yeah. And then the next one up is Robo Jelly. Well, again, this is another one we had. In the past, they said uh, this is an unmanned underwater vehicle that uses water for fuel. So they're just uh, looks like they're advancing the design a little bit farther than when we covered it probably about a month, month and a half ago.
1: Is that like the dynamic hydro drive?
0: It could be. Of course, it. it, it I think it makes it a little bit more enjoyable when you get a uh, grant for five billion dollars. Wouldn't you think?
1: It would help. It is cool
0: though. It is. So there's also a video there if you want to take a look at that. We'll get these in the show notes, which should be up, oh, I'm going to guess sometime Saturday. Again, I was hoping to have them have them ready. So when I post the show this night tonight, that it would be there. But uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Okay, I think that about does it for the news. Now, uh, we talked about the Open ROV project, and that will also be in there. But they're advancing that a little bit farther. I got an email today from the the founders of it, and it's a, it's a form letter, so don't think that they personally sent me an email. It says, We are sending you this email because you signed it to be notified when the open ROV kits become available. We wanted to give you an update on where that is going. We're planning on launching a Kickstarter project next week to distribute the open ROV kits. As soon as we hammer out a few of the last minute details, we'll have the project lined up. We'll send you another email to let you know when the Kickstarter project is live. It says, uh, We spent the last few days doing open doing ocean testing at the ROV at NASA's Aquarius Reef Base as part of NASA's Nemo 16 Michigan is a great opportunity to do some of the full ocean testing and we wanted to try uh, there's an update on the Open ROV blog and we should have more photos and videos to share soon thank you so much for your interest we've been overwhelmed by the amazing support in the past few weeks excited to welcome all of you to the venture most importantly we're excited that you have had to have you as a co-developer of Open ROV we strongly that the world needs a low cost, open source ROV and believe that together we create just a tool. And that is David and Eric, the uh, two founders of that program. I'm wondering how much it's going to be. I noticed that going through their parts list that they've had up there for a little bit over a year, they were showing about $600 for parts. What so. kind of depth? Uh, the the depth was uh the the te- depth that they were targeting was 150 feet.
1: That is not a bad price if we could get one to work like that because it would save me having to get wet when we go down and, and look at targets that are greater than 200 feet.
0: Well, I'm just thinking just for that that sense check because yeah, there's some of those days where we're going up and down and up and down and that's when my ears start to bother me. Yeah. You know if I, I have no problem doing two or three dives a day, but when you change that elevation too often and it just seems to not be good and i love those searches i don't get me wrong i love it when we were we're out shipwreck hunting and we have to go down just to see what it is stump <laughs> but uh it would be nice to have an rov and you know because you never know what it what we're going to find gives us yeah. a little bit more time it's another tool in the arsenal so i'm i'm thinking that. Uh, uh, and, and plus it's designed to be DIY, you know, between all the members we got in the club, we got plenty of people who have different skills who can make some stuff. So, uh, I, I recommend going to the website at, uh, open Uh, they're, they're right. The, um, probably the last few months have been working on propulsion, uh, how, how they make the motors and they're building all them themselves. So, and we can do stuff, uh, either we go and, uh, purchase the parts and just assemble it, or we can fabricate. You know, we have enough members who have fabrication skills, or we, I, th- I think we can do it. Plus, what I'm looking forward to is is building one and then improving it. So, and then I'd also love to get this to where, and Mac, were you on when we we talked about this last time? Which thing? The open ROV? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because another thing I'd like to do is I, I think that if this works out, it'd be a good program to get into schools and encourage the the, each of the schools to put together a team that every year would build one of these way of generating interest in not scuba diving and underwater. So that does it for potentially cool scuba gear. Next up is the video of the week.
1: Oh, whoa, whoa. did we miss something? Underwater Nightclub?
0: No, that's the video of the week.
1: Oh, I was looking at some the pictures. <laughs>
0: well, they got photos, but really what this is is a advertisement, but I'm
1: just trying to figure out how they drank those beers without <laughs> the long straws. There's a whole bunch of them without the straws.
0: Don't mess up my fantasy with reality. <laughs> well, I
1: thought you'd like the bottom character. She's got. She's texting the guy by her. Yeah. Their underwater waterproofed smartphone.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they're drinking that stuff.
1: Well, the straw one is easy. They just put under the helmet. Uh-huh. I think the other ones just must be for display, huh? Yes. At least you're keeping your drink cool down there.
0: You'd think so. Or warm, based on what the models in this are wearing.
1: Okay, probably warm. <laughs>
0: but definitely a cool bar. I, pictures. <laughs> I, I think I think what we need to do is we need to, this needs to be the scuba-obsessed dive bar right here. See, I haven't I haven't watched the video. Do I dare hit the play button? I haven't disconnected yet. I know this is exciting uh, radio, but I'm actually watching the video. I hadn't actually watched the video yet.
1: This is like a silent movie on audio, huh?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm just so enamored by it, I, I don't even know what to say. I would describe it, but it is it is better if you go and, and watch it. I'll embarrass myself if I describe too much.
1: Well, at least if you're underwater and you drool, you can't tell. <laughs>
0: Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. But uh an interesting interesting idea. Uh I love I especially love the uh spear gun dartboard. Yeah. Okay, I think we just pretty much slaughtered the uh scuba in the news for this week.
1: Is that scuba book underwater gladiator? Or is that a plug to them or is that the book you're reading?
0: That's the book I'm reading. I mean they could call it a plug, but uh I, I've been enjoying the book. I'm uh, right now. I'm at three quarters. I've kind of thought I'd be done by now, but uh, too much work, not enough reading. Uh, but it's it's actually getting better as it goes along. Maybe what he's doing doesn't annoy me quite as much. He, he he seems to be getting a little bit more sane. But if you are into deep diving, that's where it's getting in the book. Where in the beginning it was him more being extreme on air. Now he's getting into some more deep diving concepts. And what I find interesting is the history of dive software and dive tables in the recreational uh, trimix. I'm not talking Navy tables. I'm talking stuff where uh, he's, he's got a couple places where he had some really deep dives and he figured that his his DECO obligation on traditional tables would have been five or six hours. So like anything where it's too good to be true, uh, so these uh, dive computer software logarithms were coming out and he was following them because, uh, because it reduced his time. And it seems like every time he followed one of them, he got the bend. <laughs> <laughs> so he, I'm still waiting for the point when he finally gets smart and goes, you know what? These guys are idiots. And uh, I think all this is written after the fact. So you can sense the sarcasm in the book, but uh, it is actually pretty good. He also talks about diving in Asia And uh, Philippines and just some of the stories he tells about that, you're going, oh, my gosh. So, but uh, enjoying the book. It's uh, definitely a good read. And before we get into last week's dives, I'd like to uh, thank people who have been giving us reviews. If you haven't given us a review, please go out and do so. You can do it either on TalkShoe. They have a spot where they can give us reviews and you can follow the podcast the audio and get notifications when we have one scheduled. Also the five star iTunes reviews are very much appreciated. We had one, uh, it says, these guys are great from scuba Jack. He says, Hey guys, I love your podcast. You guys need come back to South Carolina for some warm weather diving. And I like to say, I, uh, I've got a trip booked for uh, South Carolina. So I'm going to get back there in October. So, yep, we're going to be down there, or at least I'm going to be down there. I'll be there with uh, Rich Sinowick of Divers, Inc. And uh, Dave Tunneman, who we need to do a shout-out and a congratulations to him. He just passed his uh, diving instructor certification over the weekend, so he is now officially a dive instructor, a paddy dive instructor. So, So he's he's gone to the dark side. He's now a (laughs) pro, and he has to work for a living.
2: Does that mean we have to pay for his signature every time we get it?
0: (laughs) One <laughs> on the dive log, he's going to charge us. <laughs> yeah, maybe we just need to get get in the sign once. We'll we'll make a rubber stamp. But uh, congratulations, Dave! Uh, you know, you, you definitely worked hard, and we had no doubt. I know he was nervous before it. You know, anything you can't completely control, you always have doubts. But he, uh, from what I understand, he did an excellent job, and he's now a, a scuba instructor. So if you're in the Ohio area, make sure you look him up. Uh, I'll have to put some links in the show notes so you can find Dave. He's usually in the chat room tonight, but he's AOL, so I'm, I'm. if he's not scuba diving, he's in trouble. Okay, in addition to the reviews that we love so much, make sure you go to the Scuba Obsessed fan map and place a pin in there. Uh, that keeps growing every week, keep adding more divers, so you get to see who else is scuba obsessed. Those are our very best fans. We love all the fans. Even if you can't make the chat room, we love that you're listening. Drop us a line if you want to talk to us. You can drop us a line at the show at scubaobsessed uh, But before we delay too long, let's go ahead and talk about last week's dive—the best part of the show. And uh, so let's let's see, when was it? Did we get? Was it last Friday? Friday, Friday what?
1: Afternoon.
0: Friday afternoon. So some of those those are even the best when when you skip out of work. It was it was my birthday. I skipped out of work, got out in the dive boat and we headed out to Max Rec. So what was the weather like, Jim?
2: Well, we had uh, temperatures in the what, back in mid-80s, and 60 degrees on the surface, and about 52, I believe, on the bottom. And uh, visibility wasn't that good. It was only about 20 to 25 feet. But uh, first dive of the season on Max Rec, the buoy is up.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So the three of us were on the boat. Uh, Jim was going to go down first. Uh, he wanted to get some video. So he, he got his helmet cam on and, and went down. And Mac and I were going to follow shortly thereafter. But when we saw his bubbles head off in a direction where we didn't think the wreck was, uh, we decided we we couldn't go down because we wanted to debrief to find out what the heck it was he was finding. So we spent the next 30 minutes in anticipation in discovering what it was that he saw, and it was, he, he, he would go way out to, I would say towards the shore one time. And then he would go past the boat and head a little bit to where we thought the wreck was, at least from the surface on the buoy. Uh, and then came back. Uh, Mac, was there anything else that he did that was, that was odd?
1: He blew a lot of bubbles.
0: Yeah. There was one spot where the bubbles got really small. And it seemed like every time we went over and we, we still haven't figured out what those were, but, uh, what, what were you j- doing, Jim, that was different that you were off the wreck?
2: Well, I was following the uh, trails of mussels. Uh They're kind of just laying on the bottom in waves or pools almost. And I was bouncing from pool to pool uh, looking to see if there was any debris visible or stuff that might have been associated with the wreck off to the sides of the wreck. Uh, We did a pretty good line sweep when we found the wreck coming at it from the stern, but uh, we haven't done a lot of exploring off to the sides and the bow of the wreck that I'm aware of. I know some people have taken short jaunts off and checked for some stuff, but
0: uh,
2: I was just trying to videotape as much as I could around the wreck and come back up, which leads us to another story.
0: was, Was there something about the video camera?
2: Yeah, we we had a little problem with assembling the housing for our video camera. Uh, I bought a GoPro, and it came with multiple backs on it, and I got the uh, extended back for the um, screen that you can put on the back of it. And I picked up the wrong back cover. The one I picked up was not the underwater one.
0: Now, now what's the difference between the other underwater one and the above-water one?
2: Uh, the above water one has some holes in it so you can get some sound ah. and ventilation into the camera. <laughs> well, that allows water to enter into the camera. I did 35 minutes at 72 feet with my camera totally flooded. <sighs> I brought it to the surface, saw that you know it was wet inside, uh, drained it out. The Max one that finally pointed out the... Uh, The wrong housing was on the back. Brought the camera home, uh, took apart, you know, what you could, didn't remove any screws, shook it out, uh, put it in the refrigerator for overnight to help dry out. Then had it sitting on the counter in the sun for a couple of days, plugged it back in, charged the battery up overnight, and believe it or not, the camera seems to be working perfectly.
0: Oh my gosh, that is amazing.
2: you know, it, it may be I was extremely lucky. It may be that it's fresh water versus salt water, but I cannot believe 35 minutes at 72 feet and my GoPro camera lived through it. You know, paid I know you, What's that?
1: Paid testimonial.
2: A paid testimonial.
1: Not a paid testimonial. No, you I
2: know. mean, they should pay you. <laughs> I yeah, was it, me, but I'll tell you this is this is an unpaid testimonial to GoPro
0: and you GoPro, if, if you're listening, we will take sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it,
2: you, I sent them an email, you know, phrasing their product uh, and I'm going to spread the word as much as I can about it. you know, it may have been a fluke. I would not suggest testing this on your own, but I'll tell you, it mine lasted. It lived through it. How much longer to live, I don't know, but it lived through it right now.
0: Well, what's nice about that is that that's that's one of the things, The what's the saying go? It's not if you're going to flood a housing, it's when. Yeah. So to know that, because you know, what, I, what I picture happens is you get a, a housing that floods a little bit and you get a little bit of water in the bottom. You know, I don't think that most of us, knock on wood, are going to have a ventilated housing where it gets the full brunt of your depth. Yeah. Uh, like that. So, to know that you have a camera that potentially Hopefully could survive. Hopefully, you won't.
2: I know it's a mistake I'm not going to make again. <laughs> yeah, but if it took that, you know, full pressure at 72 feet for 30 to 35 minutes, uh, you know, what can I say? It's a very robust camera.
0: <laughs> well, that is excellent. So, now before it flooded, did you get any video?
2: Actually, um, there were two files on the disk, the the card, but they were not recoverable, so it didn't didn't write or save it.
0: Oh, uh, it, it was probably, probably in process, splashed. But, it, yeah, yeah. When I
2: splashed it, it flooded and shut itself down. But uh,
0: yeah, so that, that so it probably got a good, was, a good dosing right away.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, so uh, that's the reason why we're not going to have video this week. But just gives us another opportunity to get back down on the wreck and get some some decent video.
2: I'm ready and the way the water temperatures look with the storm the wind we had from the south or from the north, I think it blew some cold water in to the southern part of the lake. And the uh, the sensors out there near the wreck sure show a, a nice thermocline, so I'm looking forward to getting out there this weekend. Excellent.
0: So after uh, you had come up and we had debriefed, Mac and I went down to dive on the wreck. And what was your thought about the condition, Mac? Uh,
1: again, I think we have more exposed in certain parts, like where the side rails come up and are exposed. You can uh-huh. actually see the baseline of the ship on the right hand side.
0: Yeah. So there was a I little bit. That was bit the most significant
1: ship. item I know.
0: Yeah, I didn't. Uh, yeah, there's more than a hair. Yeah, now this, there were some spots that were a little bit more exposed last year, uh, such as the windlass and the anchor, and those seem to have uh, uh, been covered a, up. L- little covered up, but it wasn't as yeah. much as I had feared. I had kind of wondered if it was kind of like a you know like a drifting snow in a blizzard. It didn't seem like we had a lot of of sand or silt build up. Right. right,
1: and I only saw one dead eye. I didn't see the others.
0: Yeah, but we were trying, I mean, we didn't do a whole lot of ex- exploring, so uh, the dead eyes kind of just fall off on the side in the sand. So hopefully they're still there and haven't turned up missing.
1: Right, and I think the only other difference is we did a, about a 100-foot sweep off the aft end, came back towards the front, and that's when you saw me with the knife
0: uh-huh.
1: digging into the mounds of uh, craggers to see if there was something there that was making it a mound.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think there's some of those spots that need to be investigated to see if stuff's built up. I, I kind of poked a little bit around the center board uh, trying to see it. it. It didn't seem like the, uh, remember we had the cross bars? Yes. Those didn't seem to be quite as exposed this year.
1: No, they were not.
0: Yeah. So that that's a little bit more silted up because I was hoping to see if I could find a mast or something. I poked around a little bit, but... Uh, and I did stir up some a few areas just to see how quick it would settle. And uh, you know, if you leave something alone, if you leave it alone for five or ten minutes, it will settle back down. Yeah, it
1: looks like yeah, we had 20, what, maybe 20 maybe. foot visibility.
0: I would say 20 foot would be conservative.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, from the yeah. anchor, you could see, you know, part way down the you know the first uh, couple blocks of the rail.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I judged it from side to side. The wreck's t- roughly 20 feet wide. And I could see the port side railings uh from the starboard side, that one little bit of ex- that's
0: exposed near the stern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'd say that's a that was a that's a f- a fair amount, a fair distance. Yeah. And the water temperature, you know, diving in a wetsuit, it was fine. I did not it feel was... cold at all.
2: Yeah, it was comfortable. Yeah.
0: So we're we're in now. If the cold coming in, like you said, it's it might be a little chilly this next time down the bottom. Uh, kind of an an interesting thing. Mac uh, signaled signaled me that he was going up, and since I had seen everything in the wreck, I really wanted to. I was diving with a hundred tank. Uh, I came up with Mac, and I and I noticed that he was coming up the line real slowly. So I kind of matched his ascent. And would it take us maybe ten minutes to get to uh, the safety stop? Yeah. <laughs> and then, then when I got up and I, uh, Mac asked me, he "Goes, why are you coming up so slow?" And I, I said, "It wasn't me. I, I thought that he was going up slow for some reason." So that
1: yeah, at least we were conservative, looking out for our buddy and hanging, hanging tight. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that, that's that's what I thought. I mean, I was in no rush. I had plenty of air. So you know, yeah, safety, safety stop is much more interesting with somebody else. But
1: and we did try doing the uh, donut.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah. got a uh, I'm, I'm getting where i'm a little bit more adventurous with the blowing the donut rings i'm i'm still not a an old hand at it like you and jim
2: no I'm not very good at donuts okay. well let's see right now the uh, surface temperature on near max rec is 64 degrees and the bottom temperature is 48 degrees
0: that's not really too bad 48
2: <laughs> nope so we got about a 16 degree temperature gradient between uh, well, that's at 50 feet. So it's probably even cooler on the bottom. So I'm expecting good visibility out there this weekend.
0: Excellent,
2: excellent.
0: Now that was Friday's dive. Uh, did you, I understand? Quite a few from the club got out Saturday.
1: I'm not sure where the feedback is coming from. Probably we ran down.
0: I think we're losing you, Jim.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. 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 We're yeah, we're still here. We all, all we, we didn't really hear anything. So if you want to talk about Saturday.
2: Yes, yeah, Saturday we went up to the Havana and had nice visibility there. Um, again, 20 feet or more. Had a good chance to swim around and look around that, and I'm just amazed at how much of that wreck is exposed this year.
1: We did get the obligatory golf balls, plural, and a little bit of fishing tackle we left by the anchor line. We did find a very nice and large dead eye. Yeah. And it looked like it might be part of a hawser pipe, so we went ahead and left a pipe in that so it's easier to find next time. And, again, a lot of wire rope. And the one item out to the side that's labeled just spare timber looks like a broken rudder. On the Havana? Yeah.
0: Yep. Huh. Yes, it does. I don't and think I've off. seen that, or if I've seen that, I just didn't know what it was.
1: Yeah, It's off by the wire rope that you can see better this year than you have in years. Oh, wow. And if you get away from the wreck, there's more wood than used to be visible.
0: Oh, wow. That seems to be kind of the trend with a van last few years as new boards being visible.
1: Well, have you noticed that it, it's sort of been a, a scalloped out area? So where the wood is exposed is in the middle of the dip. And when you follow it back, it disappears into the sand. But there was more exposure thing again this
2: year. Marine forecast for this weekend is one foot or less Friday, Saturday, and Sunday.
0: Oh, awesome again.
2: So we got to get out Friday after work. Saturday, I've got a preserve meeting in the morning. Uh, and then Sunday, I'm, I'm definitely headed to Max Rec on Sunday.
0: Sunday? I, I think I can get one in on Sunday. All right. Uh, At least I'm shooting for it. I've got company coming into town uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, now you do know Sunday is Father's Day. Father's Day, Father's Day. Let's see.
1: That means the the dad can take the day off.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point to point out. I'll have to see if I can get clearance. Maybe what I'll do is I'll uh, – what time are we thinking about going out on Father's Day?
2: Probably early.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'll have to see. I might, I might be able to. I'll just have to craft that a certain way.
2: Okay. Well, Saturday I will probably dock the boat because I've got to take some people for a ride Saturday night. So Saturday night I will probably dock the boat at the uh, municipal marina where we picked you up last time.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, then I'll uh, Sunday when we're done, I'll take it back upriver. Excellent.
0: So yeah, I'll, I'll have to. Um, um, I'll I'll let you know, but I think need to fit something in. I definitely with I know, all the stuff going I'm on. Gonna, what's that? As Far as I know, I'm definitely going to go
2: Sunday. I've got one, if not two people from the preserve who want to go out.
0: Oh, uh, excellent. Now this will be their first time on it. Yeah. Uh that that that's going to be fun to see. Just to look on somebody's face who hasn't been on it before. Yeah. Or or maybe it means more to us than it will to them. Maybe they'll look at it and go, yeah, that wasn't anything yeah. special. But well, I mean, I
2: expect, you know, it's a one-time wreck. One-time dive. Yeah. Unless you get into moving sand and looking for artifacts.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because – but how many wrecks do we have at recreational depth where you can see an anchor and a windlass and dead eyes all within 25 feet?
2: None. Not unless you want to head up north.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to head up north or you're going to have to go real deep in the wrecks that people haven't been on before. So this is – Easily recreational depth. I, I mean, I don't even think it's an advanced dive. I mean, it's uh,
2: 72 feet, you know, it, it's yep. it's novice. I wouldn't call it beginner. No, novice diving. Yep.
0: So excellent. Uh, and so th- we did Havana Saturday. Did anybody go out Sunday?
1: Yes, we did. We went out and the along a little bit, trying to eliminate some uh, items that we had hit before. And we wanted to double-check the charts and the readings. And uh, I happened to be talking to a fisherman who goes out there all the time. He's a charter captain. And he just gave me an offhand where we're talking about, you know, do you find stuff on the bottom all the time? Do you guys ever record them? now? Nah, we're just looking for fish. Uh-huh. Well, does any have strike your mind? And he, he talked about one that he got some um, hits and releases on, which told him that must have hit something at 160-something feet. So we just gave you a know, general direction and a depth, and we said, what the hell? We went out looking for the airplane. So we were already in 80 foot, so we went out to 200 and some odd feet, and uh, we're just chugging along. <clears throat> and um, when you get a target that goes through the dead zone on both sides, it usually tells you that something rather large is down there. Hmm. That's why we need an ROV now.
0: Or a Bob. Or what, Bob Sweeney? Oh, You're
1: you talking about something else. What's that, Jim? Mac, you had a hit out there. Oh yeah. We're still trying to interpret it, but it was interesting
0: to say the least. So like a jacora chimney then?
1: Uh, about like where I think the jacora is, yeah.
0: Oh. Send me some photos. <laughs> when, when, like you said, when you have the dead zone and the side scan, and it. Goes up on both sides.
1: Well, Jim, uh, we were having problems with it because you know how big the Dutch span is once you get past 120 feet. Well, yeah. Ken played with the machine and recalibrated it and made it better at 200 feet than I had it running at 110. He narrowed Ooh. the dead zone to as if you were in 80 foot of water. And that's like, well, damn. Wow. And then he changed the coloration that you could actually see. It's like, how'd you do that? Oh, it's like, I don't know, but let's get a load.
0: No. So now did he really yeah. reduce the dead zone, or Very did he tough. just bring the display closer together? All, you know, all
1: I know is it's much more viable to look at something on the bottom at 200 foot than it ever has been before.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, and...
1: The pattern we got was interesting, and for a long length of time, and it was not changed or made by a maneuver because we were going straight when we hit it.
0: Wow! Send me that. Now, pattern, if I Victor only hit the
1: chip again, it would really, really be good. <laughs>
0: yeah, D- Dave's come in the chat room, so congratulations on uh, your instructor certification, Dave. And he says, "I will call work to dive it for you." <laughs> yeah excellent so uh, but that's so that's good so uh, what, what's the, the thought on that target again is to go back and kind of map it another way
1: well we've got to go back and and validate we can replicate it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and if we replicate it then we definitely know we got a hit and my first thought is uh, we finished a grapple hook line go out snag it put a video camera on it ride it down the, the line to see what it snagged on then pull the camera back up That'd be the poor man's ROV.
0: That's true. That's one way to do it. Uh, yeah, retrieve
1: yep. my yeah, retrieve the video. That's what the ROV stands for.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now that was in what? Two hundred and ten feet, you said? Uh, it's
1: over two hundred feet. Yeah. Two hundred feet. And let me tell you, the visibility. Oh my God! If you stuck your head in the water, I bet you, yeah, I bet you could see eighty feet straight down.
0: What? When you were out there? Yes. Well, it I know what you mean. Awesome. Because on Sunday, even though I wasn't actually diving, uh, I took the family out and uh, Jim Kleeman, his wife, and one of his sons, who wasn't working, uh, we went out in their boat.
1: And we saw you go out.
0: Yeah, that's right. You you were just coming in. I didn't see you on the boat. I saw Ken. That's, that's how good my perception is sometimes. So, But we went out and uh, we anchored in shallow water. And it was, I mean, because normally even with Great Viz, you get close to the beaches of the shore, you know anything that you can stand up in and uh, breathe. you don't have the best visibility, but there was no waves, and it was like glass easy, so i don't I, I believe it I mean you could if if you could have written words on your toenails and, and read them through the water.
1: Did those kids actually get out there and throw them? I saw some of the pictures. I would have froze my ass off
0: no you that, no, I was swimming, no wetsuit. The water temperature was pool. I'm going to say 61 to 65 there by the shore. And you, it was weird because you'd be standing out there and you could feel these warm pockets of water.
1: It's people peeing around you.
0: If they were peeing, they were peeing an awful lot. I mean, that they were like, that would have had to been hundreds of gallons of pee. But it was warm. It was beautiful. I got a little bit of sun just on the edge of sunburn, even with sunscreen, but... An amazing day, one of those nice decompression family days out there in the water. So Sunday was absolutely yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah, we were worried. I'd let you know. we heard about your kids a sec or something?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Those those who don't know, I haven't really posted a lot on it. But uh, I was supposed to go diving this weekend, and uh, I, I had it all reserved. My wife and kids are going to go to a bunny show uh, along with, you know, as if horses aren't enough, they also show bunnies. So they're on their way to Lansing to, the, to a bunny show. And right around Decatur, my wife heard a noise in the back seat, and uh, my 11-year-old son was having a seizure. We have no idea what it was, but she called 911. The seizure lasted about 10 minutes. Uh, He went to the emergency room by ambulance, and we got to experience the fun of a hospital trauma room. I drove up and uh, met him, and they did tests and gave him at least a clean bill of health to go home. He went to the doctor on Monday. We don't know anything more, and he's been referred to a neurologist. So, but he's cleared to play sports. So he played. You know, he's played baseball this week. But uh, yeah, you know. And as a diver, you know, the, the worst thing about it is, is we don't know what it is. But then, as a diver, for him to have seizures, and he wants to be a scuba diver, you know, he, he, that's something he's not going to be able to do at least for a while until we figure out what this is. So, you know, I'm still going to let him play in the pool with some scuba gear just so he gets used to it. But. You know, any any lessons are going to have to be put on hold.
1: Well, glad to hear he's at the house, and you're just in the discovery period now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, of course, you know his my wife, his mom is, uh, you know, being extremely protective. So, you know, I, I'm 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 trying to encourage her calmly <laughs> to have some balance because. Uh, kind of my my thought on this, and I'm, again, I'm not a doctor, but you know, we don't know what triggered it. We don't know if it'll ever happen again. You know, being at puberty age, your body's doing a lot of crazy things. So, you know, it just kind of have to go out. And you know, she was kind of like going to put him as a bubble boy. I think if I had let her, and she, you know, so I think he need they need to find out what the trigger is, if any, if they can. So, you know, live life. At least, at least we you know, hopefully it's nothing, you know, that gets worse or that's crippling or hopefully it never happens again. So, but uh, I think we're a little bit more prepared if it does and, you know, we've got medication to stop it if it goes beyond a certain amount of time and we'll just see how it goes. So, thank thanks for everybody for the well wishes and uh, he, he's, doing, he's doing good.
1: Okay. Well, I couldn't think of a Scuba joke for you, and I can't share it with anybody else, but I did send you a sort of scuba-related bad video
0: The The scuba-related bad video? Maybe well,
1: bad water-related picture. Now, if we could share it, it would be funny, but since we can't, I thought I'd share it with you. Okay. And then people ask, what the hell are you looking at? <laughs> You checking your email
0: now? Yeah, I'm I'm opening the email. Oh my goodness! Send it to
1: Jim. I didn't send it to Jim
0: yet. Okay, here, let me forward it to you, Jim.
2: <laughs> we'll have to just share this. I'll take a look, and you know, maybe you can share it on the uh, after call.
0: Yeah, I I think if you this maybe this will be a bonus if you're come in. At, I I don't know. Can you call this a bonus? <laughs> I mean, I can accurately describe it. I'm not sure if I want to.
1: No, I don't think you want to try. <laughs>
0: Oh my goodness!
2: <laughs> it sounds like I'm missing the fun. Give me a minute to get there.
0: You, you know, I I think I burned my corneas.
2: <laughs> Matt, did you guys send it to me yet? Or
0: yeah, I forwarded it.
2: Okay, I think I'll I post it on Skype.
0: Yeah, when 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 in the after show. Oh gosh, I'm just looking through to make sure I'm not one of these guys. So. <laughs> Now, this is this what happens when you lose a bet?
1: I have no clue. Oh. It'd have to be one hell of a bet. So, yeah. I, yeah.
0: In the after show, I, I think Jim Schultz and I we can, uh, you know, we, we can put together a few theories.
1: Scoop uh, it, the Dave. Dave, Dave awesome. The chat room
0: wants it on. Scoop it. I. They would change the rating of the scoop it. <laughs> oh gosh, I apologize. I mean, this is like this is like amazing radio right now. <laughs> So yeah, if you want to see it you're going to have to come on Skype with us and and we'll share it. <laughs> I don't know. I I I don't know if I'm up to the joke anymore. I'm I think I need a nap.
1: Did Jim get
0: it? Or a shot. Jim did uh, you get I'm trying it? Trying to open
1: it. Did Jim never find
0: it? Okay, he's trying to open it. Should we do a drum roll? Open
1: it.
0: Yeah. I'll
2: drag myself away from Danae's log and
0: see what I can see. <laughs> well, I would say this is in contrast to her blog. Oh yeah. It is water-related.
1: And it is a bag.
2: Why is my computer being so slow? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just a suspense. You're just point. trying to
1: drag it out.
0: Yeah. Either that or you've got a really good filter on and it knows it's something that should not be seen.
1: <laughs> well, we could do the joke while we're waiting for that to load for. All I've got is a gray
2: screen.
0: Let me resend it to you.
2: Oh, here it is. I've I got the image at the bottom, I'm
0: gonna try it that way. Yeah, what I I have to do is the attachment. I I just download it as an attachment. So in the meantime, if you want to head over onto the Facebook page, we're slowly getting more fans. We appreciate it. Let your friends know. And also don't listen to the Scuba podcast alone. You don't dive alone, don't listen alone. Grab a dive buddy, tell them to listen to Scuba Obsessed. Also make sure you check out uh, Rich Sinowick's Divers Sync podcast. He had another excellent one this week. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at uh Scoob Obsessed on Facebook or Facebook.com forward slash Scoob Obsessed. We're also on Google Plus. I, I haven't is did Jim Blackout yet?
1: Did he say he finally got uh, it?
2: Uh I got it. Let's just say there's a new meaning to the word
0: long. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Are you gonna but,
1: run out and get one of those outfits.
0: I don't know, Mac, maybe he's already got one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie.
0: No, the Jim, You just need, you know, since you're a boat captain, you just need some epilepsy on the, on the shoulders.
2: That's it. <laughs> that well, was finished not, off. you know, I, I'm just a skipper. I'm not a captain. <laughs> oh, skipper.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think we've, we've dragged this on long enough. So, uh, Again, if you want to see that, the only way you're going to see it is if you come into the chat room uh, or into uh, Skype after the podcast, and uh, we'll gladly share it. And We take no responsibility for any actions that happen from that.
2: You know, I actually think you could post this.
0: Yeah, we could. That's an incentive.
2: (laughs) I mean, I would post this and just leave it as the joke of the week. (laughs) That is a joke of the week? Yep, it's that bad.
0: Okay. (laughs) Uh, So you have to check out the... So those of you who are listening, check out the show notes. That maybe will be an incentive for the show notes. They'll be at the end of the show notes. So you guys ready for the joke? Yes, sir. Okay, here we go. Three experienced female scuba divers are approaching the end of their dive vacation. They enjoyed their time together and only had the opportunity to see each other once a year as they lived in three different areas of the country's many miles apart. After a few drinks in a local pub on their last night, they started challenging each other on who was the better swimmer. After a few more drinks and some friendly arguing, they decided that a race performed performing the breaststroke across a local bay at the crack of dawn would determine who was the best. The next morning, a small crowd of their fellow divers had gathered to watch the race. A simple ready, set, go, and they were off. After an hour and a half, the diver from the Midwest staggered on the shore and was declared the fastest. About 40 minutes later, on the East Coast, diver crawled up on the shore was declared the second-place finisher. Nearly two hours after that, the West Coast diver came ashore and promptly collapsed in front of the worried onlookers. When asked why it took so long to complete the race, she replied, I don't want to sound like I'm a sore loser, but I think those other girls were using their arms.
1: Okay. <laughs> I think that's the term what has a healthy pair?
0: Yeah, that would be kinda of what I was thinking. So so <laughs> on that note, until next week, go out there and get wet.
1: And stay safe.
2: And remember, we sure tried hard, but no GoPros were harmed in the making something nice show.
1: All recording has been completed.
0: So uh, so Don, uh, Don, Dave and John.
1: <laughs> so how
0: big is this boat
2: that you were getting
1: hits on, Max? Say again? And
2: how big do you think this boat is that you were well, getting hits
1: it, on? It's hard to tell. We were doing a scan at about four and a half mile an hour, and it's, if the scan is in the indication, it's well over 100 feet. Yeah. That
0: would be awesome. That, that would be. We're just we just throw that one out whenever we talk about it. Who knows? I mean, there it could be anything.
1: <clears throat> it could have been a submarine, as far as I know. It, it's like that. We need to go back out and then do a ninety degree from it and see if we can re, recapture
2: it. Detectives out and uh, oh my god, where's the eye
1: bleach? They have retina the burn, huh? <laughs> Oh wow!
0: (laughs) And I am not in that photo.
1: (laughs) No, I. He thinks he 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 denies too much. i was trying to look at some of the faces behind some of the other ones, but
0: you know the, the the thing, Jim, as I was noticing, is the black top hats.